Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Oscar Watch Podcast, the podcast where we look back at past Best Picture winners for your reconsideration. I am your host, Stephen Buja, and joining me, as always, is the one, the only, the beautiful Matthew Marchetti. Matt, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, just got back to uh, summer school's over, or summer's over, and school is back in session, so uh, this was the first, like, sort of full week. Mm. So I'm exhausted, harried. Angry, a little excited. You drinking? Uh, oh, I mean, that's second. Oh, yeah, it, just, it just gets exacerbated. As <laughs> starts, so. Oh no, it's good. It's good. Like it's a good busy, but it's just like, oh my god, I do this for a living. Yeah, <laughs> you love it. Some days. Some days. Some days. Okay. Most days. Hey, Matt, we have some fan questions. Oh, drum roll! Yay! Uh, Joe Armando from uh, on Twitter at Joey Joey G. That's me. Can you honestly say that Roberto Benigni gave the best actor performance in '98? Aren't we forgetting someone? And he has a gif of Edward Norton smiling from American History X. Oh, yeah. So excellent question. '98 was just a all-around top-notch year, Joey. And I uh, let's see here. So we have Edward Norton. He was nominated. Roberto Benigni won. It's his very famous, uh, very famous moment where he gets on top of the, the chairs and walks, you know, walks across the uh, essentially the crowd to receive his Oscar for "Life Is Beautiful." The other nominees: Tom Hanks, Saving Private Ryan; Ian McKellen, Gods and Monsters; Nick Nolte, Affliction. And so, uh, on that note, I've seen all of those films, and they are all great performances. But you know what? I'm going to say of the five, Joey. Edward Norton is the least of them. It's a great performance, and I believe it is his second performance after Primal Fear, both of which were nominated for uh, Oscars for acting for Norton. But the other four men, especially Nick Nolte in Affliction, oh, he is—he is fantastic. I would have given it to him, but man, people like Life is Beautiful is such a cheerful bit of optimism in the face of so much darkness that I can understand why they gave it to Benini, but man, Nick Nolte. And then after that, I'm going to go Ian McKellen, Gods and Monsters, great, Tom Hanks, Benini, Edward Norton. That's my, that, that's how I would go. I just dominated that conversation. Matt, do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> no, I, I, I actually agree. Well, I don't. maybe not the order. I could probably figure an order, but when, you were re- when I was looking at this, all I could think was Nick Nolte and Affliction. That was a movie that came out of nowhere for me. I actually, it's it's bizarre because I'm the movie guy, but my dad actually discovered it or found it at the, I don't know, even at the really? video store or something. And it, it just sounded like, he was like, you got to watch this movie, Matt. It sounds <laughs> and I was just completely bowled over. With and and uh, James Coburn, Spacek. Oh, it's yeah. Paul, Paul Schrader, so you, you sort of knew going in it wasn't going to be like an easy ride. Um, <laughs> but we just loved it. We loved it. And, I, you know, I think it was partially because we sort of shared the experience together. It was sort of like a new thing for both of us, and it was just memorable in that way. But Nolte just, I can still see him in that movie right now. Like, that's how much it stands out to me. And I think it with, with Roberto Benigni's case, I, I honestly feel like the his Oscar win is more memorable than the performance in the film. Um, I think, like, that's the thing I remember so much, him dancing on chairs, yeah. walking over the crowd, and just being this sort of, sort of 
wonderful energy at that at that awards ceremony. And then I think about the movie, and I'm like, I remember parts of it. Like the, <laughs> yeah. I remember the big parts from the trailer, and I, you know, I can see a lot of the moments. But it seems to me more like I remember his win rather than the yeah. performance itself. Yes. Well, we will definitely get a chance to revisit that because life is beautiful. La Vita e Belle did win Best Picture that year uh, for Best Foreign Language. It was nominated for a boatload of Oscars, too. And Benigni, Benigni, I believe, was the last actor to direct himself to a Best Actor Oscar. Uh, So it's been almost almost 20 years. Looking for. kind of dirty, Steve. Oh, yeah. He directed himself himself to completion, did you think? (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, but I'm that is too. for a later episode. This is definitely not a G-rated show, folks. Thank you for listening. <sighs> All right. Well, uh, this week's film is one I have been looking forward to for a long time. It is the 2011 Best Foreign Language Film, A Separation, written and directed by uh, Asghar Fahadi. I've been we've been saying we we're going to do this one for a while now and uh well the story goes this was the film uh we were going to record it old co-host Alex I was like this is how far back we're going myself Alex and uh special guest Shahir Dowd were going to record this on February 20th 2017 at uh, around 8 p.m. or so uh and it Turns out that February 20th was the day my daughter was born. (laughs) So I could not leave my wife in the delivery room to say, hey, I have to go record a podcast. Be right back because I think she would have killed me. (laughs) Uh, And just the way scheduling just has not worked out the way it uh, way I wanted it to for the last six months. And so now we're here. We're just doing it. You're here. We will see you another time. I promise we're looking forward <laughs> to that. But, uh, Matt, uh, before having to watch it, when I think we were going to do it like some three months ago, yeah. had you seen a separation before? I had not, and I was super excited to see it because, you know, we heard so much about it. It seemed, it seemed like an interesting film. Um, you know, I, I think I had it sort of, it didn't fly over my radar, but it was just, it was foreign film long a little bit on the longer side and i was just like there's a lot to watch i know i want to see this at some point so when you mentioned it i was just like ready to jump at it <laughs> i think i like amazon immediately and bought it it was there like the next few days and i was like i watched it i took a ton of notes and then three months later so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i had never seen it beforehand uh so i am raring to talk about it because well we'll, we'll talk about how my feelings about it yeah about it's it. uh i was surprised at how i like i didn't i did not rewatch this uh, but I just like read through the I just like read through like the plot synopsis that's basically on Wikipedia and I was like, oh yeah, all of this clicks with me. Yeah, I, rem- yeah. I it just it came back uh, full force um, of the film and so I was uh, I'm excited I'm very I'm just very excited to talk about this one. It was um, yeah we were originally going to discuss it because Farhadi was uh, you know he was subject to the Muslim ban. Uh-huh. Uh, going into this past year's oscars and so it seemed like a little a little relevant so we're not exactly super timely on this right now but at the same time it is a film that won best foreign language film and as such a film that deserves our attention and we will give it that attention right after this short break where you hear uh the oscar acceptance speech so just come on back 
I would like uh, to thank the Academy and Sony Pictures Classics and my dear friends Michael Barker and Tom Bernard. Salam be mardome khub sarzaminam. At this time, many Iranians all over the world are watching us, and I imagine them to be very happy. They are happy not just because of an important award or a film or a filmmaker, but because at the time when talk of war, intimidation, and aggression is exchanged between politicians, the name of their country, Iran, is spoken here through her glorious culture, a rich and ancient culture that has been hidden under the heavy dust of politics. I proudly offer this award to the people of my country, a people who respect all cultures and civilizations and despise hostility and resentment. Thank you so much. A Separation won a Best Foreign Language Film at the 2011 Academy Awards, uh, but it did also pick up one other nomination that night. What was that? It was uh, Best Original Screenplay, I believe. It was. Uh, the film was written by Asghar Fahadi, also directed by. And this marked the first foreign film to receive the Best Original Screenplay nomination in uh, approximately five years, uh, since uh, 2006 with Pan's Labyrinth and Babel. Uh, and it would actually be followed by Amour the next year. And uh, this also, the big, uh, the big thing for this was this was the first Iranian film to ever win the Best Foreign Language Film at the Oscars. Uh, very big deal considering the state of uh, uh, animosity between uh, America and Iran. Uh, especially considering this was made with no government money from Iran and is, um, you know, they have a very, a government that bears down on a lot of their filmmaking, but Farhadi gets around it by simply like essentially self-financing his own work, uh, thus able to create more accurate, less propaganda-esque films that one would expect from the uh, country of Iran. So it was a monumental achievement then, and, th and then for him to follow it up uh, six years later with his win for Salesman, uh, mm -hmm. Earlier this year is uh, he's a clearly an Iranian national treasure, and um, I'm just much looking forward to talking about this film. But he did have to beat out a couple of others. What were the other nominees for best foreign language film that year? I had seen one of these. I'm oh, like, hey! We're very excited. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna. Uh, was it footnote? It wasn't footnote. Oh, okay. All right. Anyways, what? Okay. What are the others? What are the others? Uh, the other nominees that year were uh, Bullhead from Belgium, which is the movie I had seen. Oh, okay. I don't know why I had seen it. I think <laughs> I just read about it, and it sounded so fascinating. Yeah. I'm hoping it's the same movie I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, I, I have it written down here. Yes. Cri crime drama. Yes. That's it. it. Like, <laughs> like cows and steroids, and it just sounded so weird. That, I had <laughs> that sounds so... Wait, is Belgium... Is that Dutch? Is that... That sounds like something that comes out of Belgium. Let's just yeah. put it that way. Yeah. I actually think the reason I was interested in the, the lead, I'm going to completely butcher his name. I'm going to bother. You can look it up. But I, I think I had seen him in something else, maybe mm -hmm. in a minor role. And I went to look up his filmography, and I saw this. I remembered it was on Netflix, and I was like, well, I'm going to watch that. And okay. I, I, got, I got a weekend and watched it. It was very good. Uh, so Bullhead from Belgium. Footnote that you mentioned uh, from Israel, I believe. Uh -huh. uh, in Darkness from Poland. Then uh, Monsieur Lazar from Canada. Canada. 
intimate yeah. portrait of refugees and teachers is what I had down for that. I had uh, I had heard a footnote very briefly, I think because it was mentioned in a New Yorker article, mm -hmm. which obviously I read because, of course. Uh, the rest of them, though, I uh, I don't know. Uh, in Darkness sounds like a real uh, cheery cheery film. World War II Polish <laughs> occupation film. Sign me up. Sounds yep. like a fun time at the movies. I ch there, you know, Matt. There are times I wish I had way more time on my hands, and we did this maybe once every two weeks, just so I could see all the other movies. I know. I know. Uh, I'm to be completely fair. I probably would not watch all of them anyways have that kind of money but i i do wish we folks i do wish at times that we could give you a more honest shake about uh the full competition to let you know like is this really the best movie but uh forgive us and thank you for putting up with our little sort of uh smaller categorization of these things uh the best film of 2011 was the artist we have done a episode on that with special guest Matt Neglia from the Next Best Picture podcast way back in January. You can listen to that, our thoughts on that film, and the rest of the movies that came out in 2011. Uh, it's a good one. It's a, it's, a good, it's a good episode. Is it a good movie? Well, you'll just have to wait and listen to it after you listen to this, of course. So we are going to take another very short break. When we come back, we're going to talk separation. Hey, Matt, so for those who have not seen A Separation, what does IMDb say the movie is about? Actually, I usually look at these first, but I didn't look at this one. So oh. Okay. See how they were going to do it, because it's sort of, uh, it's, it's an involved type of movie. Yes. Um, so it says, a married couple are faced with a difficult decision to improve the life of their child by moving to another country or to stay in Iran and look after a deteriorating parent who has Alzheimer's disease. That's... That gets you in. That 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 gets you in basically the first ten minutes, and then it spirals out of control from there. Um. So, ladies and gentlemen, full spoiler alert. Wow, just wow! I adore this movie, and I am going to paraphrase what uh, Shahir Dowd from the only podcast about movies uh, said about uh, Salesman in that. Um. Basically, okay. I think Mad Max Fury Road is the best action film of the decade. Just bear with me, people. It is a beautiful testament to the power of editing. The second best action movie of the decade, A Separation. This movie, and this is where the, this is where the paraphrase quote comes in, uses words like weapons. It is, there are no guns, 
but there are plenty of bombs, truth bombs. Uh, and it's just one after another after another. It is a the pace it has the pace of the greatest of great action movies to it. And I I watch it and I think about it and I have no idea how Farhadi has done this, has just taken these words and sewn them into this incredibly moving, fast paced fabric. And there's no there's like no direct violence. The thing about this movie is that it is so it is not concerned with any of the actual actions. There are a couple of major incidents. A woman gets hit by a car. A wo- the same woman falls down uh, the stairs. A father is left alone in his bed by the woman, so she has a lot to do with it. And we don't see any of these happen. We just see the aftermath of it. So many films are concerned with the thing that happens and ne- and so and so few of them ever follow through on what the consequence of those movie of those actions are mm-hmm. except the separation which does it so wonderfully that i i cannot stop thinking about this movie every time i you know even it just comes up i'm like man that movie is just it just it just sings it sings so it sings like no other film i have ever seen and that is a long-winded rant matt Overall, what are your thoughts <laughs> on this film? I uh, I mean, I I definitely agree with what what you're talking about and 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 with your sort of quote. It I I put my first note is the movie begins with a ton of energy, right? That's this conversation <laughs> between the husband and wife and you're moving around the house and or the apartment really and you're sort of just sort of you get your bearings and it's it has sort of a um, the same kind of vibe um Aaron Sorkin would do, right? For me, it feels yeah. the dialogue is very fast-paced, sort of sort of figuring out everything that's going on, and I was just hooked, hooked on this sort of like seemingly like blasé rhythm that's going on, this naturalism. I was so involved in it, and it really, to be honest, at first didn't have anything to do with the um, setting or the language barrier. It had everything to do with just the way everything was constructed. Mm-hmm. Um, that the the sort of um, setting, you know, Iran and the language and sort of the culture there, that, that sort of comes after or came after for me uh, as the movie sort of settles in. In the beginning, it was really just like, what is going on and why is every, why is everyone so heated and you start to figure it out and you start, you start to get your bearings and you find yourself choosing sides even within the first like 10 minutes of the yeah. movie and your allegiances are sort of tested as the movie goes on. And yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I was just so hooked. This is one of those movies when it was done, I wanted to just talk about it. <laughs> like, yeah. of course, we waited three months to do it. <laughs> oh, the worst. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> yeah, the, one of the best kinds of movies to me is that when it's over, you want to just, like, I watched it by myself, and I wanted to share it with people. I wanted to talk about it with people who hadn't seen it, had seen it. Um, yeah, there's something really special about it. Yeah. You make, a, you make an interesting point about the sides, because during the film... And what's great about it is that Fahardi he never picks a side. He never goes, "This is the this is the right side. This is the the wrong side." And we need to cheer for this character, and we need to boo this character, because at you you do that's right. You do find your allegiances shifting. Ever it's like sometimes you're with um, Samin, Leila Hatami. Other times you're with N- Nader, and you. And all the all the time, you understand that this 
each of them has a valid argument to, uh, to set it up. Samin and Nader are married. They want to leave, but they can't because Iranian law dictates they basically they can't get divorced for the reasons that she uh, that she wants to get divorced. And 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 Nader's like, no, I have to stay with my father, and so that's basically the end of it. And from all of that comes all of these other moments and these this and these bits of consequence. And it ends up with the uh, the accusation that Nader has killed a child because in Iran, if you are found guilty of killing of like um, causing a miscarriage that you are accused of you are basically essentially accused of murder and can be put on put on trial for that mm-hmm. and it just it it's so it is handled so elegantly and it spirals out of control so quickly that you don't even you don't even notice like the slow ramping up of things um, and yet, you still are like, well, wait, who am I? Am I with Samin right now? Well, Samin's being kind of a jerk right now. But then you switch over, like, oh, well, now, now, like, Nader, like, come on, man, like, you should, you should know better. And it's just, it's so, it's such a fascinating look at real people. And it doesn't matter the language barrier. Like, I do, I like you, you, you. It goes to show that there is a universality to the human experience overall. And yes, they are under this very different set of circumstances than we are, but. At the core of it, it's still people who are in impos- in like very di- tough situations who maybe aren't talking about that. That just they just they everyone wants to do the right thing, but everyone has a different definition of what that right thing is. So we've been name dropping our buddy Shahir uh, a lot on this episode. He was kind of inspired us to watch this, but he also wrote in a question about a separation. Uh, on Twitter via only at OnlyMoviePod. Matt, how do you think the film portrays masculinity in the context of a classically patriarchal society? Ooh. <coughs> That's a good question. Um, I think just going through my notes, and I guess, you know, I think we have a tendency, I mean, I do at least, a tendency as a male viewer to sort of um, associate with the, the male characters. To a point, I mean, if they sort of become completely reprehensible, then you sort of move away from that. But I, I, mm-hmm. I always tend to, even if I know it's not valid, uh, side with the male character. And this was not um, a dissimilar situation watching this film. However, um, it wasn't really until sort of really connected um, with the, the Nadir character, particularly in the moment... Um, the sort of issues between the the paying of the blood money um, that, mm. that that his wife suggests and his sort of like no because if I do that it's admittance of guilt. Um, I, I guess I was impressed with the way he sort of the movie sort of broke down um, patriarchy at times, particularly with his character, but with the character and I'm gonna I'm gonna forget his name. Um, the other husband character. Uh-huh. Hoja? Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, by the way, his performance, all the performances were fantastic, but he was just on fire in this movie. I mean, particularly yes. in the, maybe the final uh, 15 or so minutes where they're at their apartment at the end, at the other um, couple's apartment. But I, I sort of went in assuming that it was going to be like, all right, this is my world, women, you have to live in it and work within it, and, and that's how it's going to go. But I was impressed with the sort of strength particularly um, in, in the strength of the character of Simon, how she sort of, she really doesn't 
take anyone's BS uh, a lot of the times. And I think that um, you can sort of see where where um, Nadir might have been really attracted to her in that sense. But you know, this isn't she's not the sort of typical character. I think particularly American audiences see when we think about oh, what's a movie from Iran? They're like, oh God, it must be about must be about war and different things going on. And you're like, no, it isn't really. It's about really like universal things that we all can get behind and, and people that we all can kind of relate to. So I think the movie does a really good job of sort of breaking down, for me at least, breaking down sort of masculine conventions and patriarchal conventions. Maybe when I saying that that, that I know I don't know a ton about um, sort of the backdrop of of the film and the culture as much as maybe an average person knows. I think my expectations were that it was going to be very male-driven, and I think it still is to a point, but I was really impressed with the way the female characters sort of work in. So so th this is the last thing I'll say, then I'll get off my pedestal, that the sort of the relationship between Simon and Nader and then compared to um, Hojat and, and Razia, that there's, they're, the second characters, their relationship felt more what I sort of expected it to be. Like his sort of flaring anger and her sort of like, please don't do that, and then Simon and Ned are, you were like, all right, they have, there's more of a back and forth between them, um, particularly as the movie progresses, you sort of learn more about the way they sort of work in their marriage, and I think it, the movie really beautifully sort of hits these two characters, or these two pairs, um, and it all sort of crashes and explodes in that final sequence where you're just like, I mean, I honestly left the movie like, I don't even know how I feel about Iranian patriarchy at this point, but it certainly, the movie got me to it forced me to sort of look at it in a different way. And I think it was sort of humbling in, in that sense. So that was sort of what the movie's sort of staying power. I'm glad he asked this question because this is sort of where I was going to end with. But the movie's staying power for me was that it sort of forced me to look at um, a different culture in a completely different lens. Um, and that's really powerful. That, and it remains really powerful for me. Yeah. Yeah. What the film is great at is that it uses this very small intimate personal relationship and this the dissolution of this marriage and it exemplifies larger themes and that you know it's you know you have uh, Nader and Simon who are like uh, kind of progressive in the in the way they are perhaps by Iranian standards perhaps even by American standards then you have uh, Razia and Hojat who are far more traditional and like that very patriarchal uh, family. You know, the guy Hojad is the one who who runs uh, runs the family, and Razia can't even, you know, she doesn't tell her husband this because it's against you know Iranian custom for her to be in the house of another man without her husband present, which right. is a whole thing. And uh, it's the film highlights these little bits to show that. They are all under these fighting against these obstacles, and it's uh, it's how it portrays masculinity in that is that it is another uh, it is another embodiment of the human spirit that is gets chipped away and crushed and molded to fit this particular uh, way of thinking, mm -hmm. this more traditional Iranian view that can be just ground into the dirt because 
you know, both Nad- you know Nader and Hojat, they aren't going to they aren't going to back down. They aren't going to ad- admit guilt to anything. And it it kind of like, well, so what does your system accomplish yeah, you right. in the end? <laughs> like, what 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 is all of this worth? And it's just all all it is worth. It's it worth a just first and foremost. Uh, an excellent film and entertainment but beyond that it's just this way that okay yeah like yes patriarchy is you know it's men rule but does that mean that men are like the rulers but you know they can be just as easily crushed as anyone if not uh perhaps even easier because we are not generally equipped to deal with it we're used to being kind of on the top of the food chain whatever society we are in and so when we are faced with decisions like that these two have to uh, make, it's uh, far more damaging. And the whole thing, it, it's, a da- it's a damaging philosophy just to, um, yeah, because like if, if there wasn't patriarchy, they wouldn't be in this situation. Razier could go and just get a job doing whatever she wants and it wouldn't be a problem. And maybe she wouldn't have, she wouldn't have to sneak around. So she wouldn't have to lock, you know, tie up, and that there's husband, uh, uh, father, or you know, it's all, it, all of, like all the problems can come from this, and they try to find solutions from you know this patriarchal solution, you know, society. But the solution itself is also very patriarchal. It's the judge who's making a determination. It's like, well, yeah, you, you killed, you, you shoved this woman, out, uh, and she fell, maybe, and so you killed the baby, and so therefore you're at fault. Like yeah, that, that doesn't serve anybody either it's like you're just compounding loss with more and more loss and it's uh and it's a very and it's a very patriarchal thing to assume that you know life begins at the moment of conception and that the women have no rights to their their bodies or their offspring or you know have a choice in the matter and that this is what it all leads to and this is what the system uh leads to is it a condemnation of it i don't i don't think i think this movie is completely without judgment about what Iranian society is like it's simply saying this is what it's like enjoy mm-hmm. or 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 not or enjoy dep- yeah. dep- immersed or just be, or yeah or just or just come out and go <sighs> yeah <laughs> shit <laughs> so um Shahir I hope we answered your um your question uh, well enough to your satisfaction I'm sure when you come on the show you can maybe bring it up if you would like um, we got to talk about the uh, the acting in this. Uh, you know, there's you know Payman uh, Madi, who is uh, Nader, I believe, uh, Le- Leila Hatami. But you know what? I gotta I gotta I gotta give my shout out to uh, Serena Fahardi, who is Asgar Fahardi's daughter as uh, Terma, the uh, the daughter at, who's sort of like kind of at the central focus of this entire plot. They want to move to a different country to give her a better life, but they just they just can't she is great and she just has some wonderful acting despite kind of just like having to be silent i i just i, I just i loved her little um uh i just I, I loved i loved her little her little moments because and ultimately she and she, oh in the ending uh we, we talk about the ending in the end you know they finally get a uh divorce presumably and i actually had to had to read this later because they are because her, um, the parents, Nader and Simon, are in grieving clothes. Mm-hmm. It is assumed that the father has passed away from Alzheimer's, and so that now the now that there's no real obstacle, they can get a divorce. 
uh, which in the context of the film it makes sense. <laughs> and then it's uh, and then it's up to uh, Terma to, well, okay, which one, which parent are you going to stay with? And both parents have been shitty. <laughs> Let's be honest. They've been both parents have been great. Both parents have been shitty. And you're like, okay, who's she gonna choose? Like, I'm genuinely curious. Like, who's she gonna choose? Who's she gonna choose? Who's she gonna choose? You don't even find yeah. out. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> it's 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 so beautiful, and they and they stay on the shot of uh, Nader and Simon throughout the re- throughout the end of credits, just th- them on opposite sides of a hallway, and it is the most magnificent thing because you can just see you can just see this lifetime of this pain and this the idea they're just questioning what was all of this worth. <laughs> It's just written on their face. It's so, it's so beautiful, and I, I love a good ambiguous ending, and I think this is one of the best ones I have seen in uh, just uh, just a really really long time. Um, uh, let me see here. Oh, uh, let's see. Just a fun, uh, fun little fact. Uh, I believe the um, there was a price for it was three hundred thousand Iranian rial. I'm sorry, I just love doing this, uh, and that was worth roughly twenty eight dollars in two thousand eleven, uh, and so fifteen and so fifteen million uh, rial, which I believe was the blood money that was owed for the baby, uh, is about that's one thousand four hundred thirty six dollars. That is the price of a baby's life in iran at the time and it's 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 just going back to that that subject it is maddening that there's still blood money <laughs> in 2017 right. uh in, tw- in 2011 rather but again it's a different cultural landscape that we are on and one that we are just uh, so not so not used to as a westerner what uh what is the co- what were your thoughts on Iranian culture coming out of this? Yeah, I think, um, well, a couple things. Um, it was the scene where uh, I think it's Razia has to has to call like a religious hotline basically to ask if it is okay. I think to change the father after he's mm-hmm. he has wet himself, and I was just like, oh my god, okay, like <laughs> that's a thing. Like I, she's, I mean, she's really about it. this goes back to what you're saying about her working in the house without her husband there it's all sort of connected to that uh sort of religious and cultural ideology and that was a, a real like like kind of shattered barrier for me at that point i was like wow i need to really rewire myself for the remaining like two hours or so of this movie to sort of really sort of delve into it and it wasn't that i felt like like you said it, it wasn't that i felt um you know, like it was it was tragic that she had to do that or she wanted to do that or that it was like this is a great thing. It sort of felt just immersed in it, like neutral. Like I think you had said earlier that, that the, you know, Fahardi doesn't demonize it. He doesn't he doesn't bolster it up. What's going on in the country? He just sort of here it is, here it is. And you can sort of make of it what you what you want. Um, and th- from that point on, I sort of started viewing the movie um, a little differently and not in a bad way or in a good way. Just that I sort of felt like, OK. That was sort of the entry point for me, and then from that point on, I just sort of like, all right, I need to look at all these moments and not just say like, all right, husband and wife, daughter, father. You need to look at it like in a sort of different, through a different lens and a different mm-hmm. sphere. And that was just a fascinating 
um, experience unto itself. And to just go back quickly, and it, it all sort of connects, but to go back quickly to Peter's question about patriarchy too, this this is in there. Um, when, I don't remember the exact situation, but uh, there's a moment where the daughter, Terma, is, is, is sort of, she can decide to tell the truth or to sort of lie for her father's mm-hmm. good. And I believe she decides to, to sort of lie for him. She's very sort of torn about this situation she's in. And you can see in her father's eyes, in Nader's eyes, that he also feels really bad about the situation he's put his daughter in. So that's that sort of patriarchy falling apart right there. Look at all, look what, what men can do and look what we do to our children even. And put, we put them in situations mm-hmm. where they feel like they have to lie just because they're related to us just because it's my daughter um and that's just another moment where you're like oh my god like this you're right you said earlier like what is it for what does it really amount to in the end and so much of life all these things we go through is really for a lot of it is for nothing it's just a lot of yelling and getting mad or getting upset and then the next day sort of back to square one um i don't know man it's this movie i got shook i got (laughs) shook watching this movie really messed with me in a, in a good way in a, in a sort of a good way <laughs> yeah it's it's a, it's a movie that does shake indeed and uh it's not an aspect that gets mentioned a lot certainly with foreign films the technical prowess because when, when you think foreign films you think kind of long slow dramas but i i have to commend the camera work here for being almost voyeuristic in it it's it's ne- it, it never feels like you're watching like a what like a intricately well crafted film it, which you are it has this quality of you're kind of in the house with everybody it's like you're always the camera seems just so close or just far enough away from everybody to have this weird kind of oh i'm not really comfortable with any of this and and what what's great is that he then uses for Hardy. Then uses those that that style, and then withholds from you. <laughs> you um, you don't like. Uh, there's this. There's this one. Oh my God, ten scene where the father escapes. Uh, the the father with Alzheimer escapes, and he's crossing a busy street, and you're like, Oh my yes. God, what's what's gonna happen? You're like, because this is the kind of movie where something awful is going to happen. It's just a question of what kind of awful. Mm. And then it just cuts back and things are fine. You're like, well, shit, well, shit what, wait, what just happened? And then you find out later that it was somebody got hit by a car, but it was Razia. And so that casts doubt onto the f- story down the road as to whether this push out the door, which is something else you don't see, caused the miscarriage or if it was the car accident. And you, and you don't get any you don't see any of that you are not allowed to form your own mm. opinion you're not allowed to see the truth of the matter you're uh, you get the opinion you get the truth secondhand from somebody who was who was there but you don't get to see you don't get to be like well all right you know, i think that i think that car clearly didn't hit her it or hit her in the legs and she didn't fall like it doesn't none of that matters what matters is how the people react to it which is uh, just a brilliant choice and makes every revelation because this is a movie that changes up just when it gets cl- just when you get comfortable you're like okay wait i have a handle on what the situation is right now it's like nope no you don't <laughs> well, nope there's here's some new here's some new information 
how do you how do you, how are you going to process that and it doesn't constant it's like it's a little it's the two hours of just this constant up and down up and down and building and building and building and building and building it's Exhausting. It is, yeah. This movie, is, <laughs> this movie is so. I was grateful when it ended, but I was I was floored. But I was like, oh my god, I I have to see the salesman now. I have to go back and I have to see all of Farhadi's work. He is an incredible filmmaker, and I just uh, I I think I might be uh, might be in love with him. He's <laughs> my, he may he may be one of my new favorite like just discovered filmmakers. I know he's been doing this for a while, but oh my god, this movie is incredible. Yeah. So um, we got to wind down to final thoughts. Is there anything left to say about uh, separation? Yeah, I mean, uh, yes. Testament to the film, you can sort of walk away with it with um, as little or as much as you want to. And I think that's what's really great about it. Uh, one of the aspects that's really great about it. And two, um, to your sort of some of the points you were making and to um, Shahir's earlier point about the sort of it, it being an action movie without without guns and that sort of classic action movie things i i thought very you know a very similar i was on a very similar wavelength i sort of looked at it as like a it's like a suspense movie but without any of the classic like suspense trappings like you're waiting for something to happen you feel tense you feel on the edge of your seat all the time but it's not in a traditional way there's no like cat and mouse scenario or like a MacGuffin, like something hitchcock would use you're sort of just like why am i so tense like i can't Wait, wrap my head around it, and I think it's what you were saying, Steve. I think it's that you're sort of dropped all these little hints throughout, but you're not shown them. You're forced to choose sides, and that that choosing of sides alone brings attention to a film. There's a really great um, South Korean film, maybe from I'm gonna say 2004, 2005, called Crying Fist. It's basically Rocky, but it's it's if Rocky was fighting someone just like Rocky, and they then you watched all their you watch both their stories at the same time. And then you have to watch them fight each other in the last moment. And you're like, how do I choose the one I want to win? One is like a younger guy who's dealing with issues with his father and, and poverty. One is an older, like retired boxer whose wife is leaving him and his daughter doesn't like him. And you're like, how do I choose between these two characters? And likewise, how do I choose between, how do I choose between that air and, and Simon at the end? You're just, you, it's hard. So you're put in sort of term is situation where you don't know who you would choose. And that is just, I mean, yeah, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't even know what to do with my life right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that is, in fact, what life is. It's a series of really complicated, difficult choices. And the fact that you are forced into having to make them is just the it, for Terma, that's the worst thing. Like, I just, like, she just wants her parents she just wants both of them and now she's forced to choose between them how do you what society does that apparently every society but especially iranian society and that's yeah. that's like the la that that's a great that's a great point about patriarchy it's like patriarchy is going to force you to force you to choose because i guess we cling to the idea that life can be black and white when this movie proves that it is absolutely not it is a in it is so many shades of gray. It's beyond fifty. It's, <laughs> it's way more than it's fifty. An, it's an infinite shade, shading of gray there. That I um, I mean, I, I just talking about this. I, I just want to go see it again. Um, this is a film that I would, you know, we ask, 
did this movie deserve best picture, the best foreign language film? Yes, it did. Yes. And honestly, I would put this up against the artist, and I would probably choose this every single time. This movie is incredible in its uh, ideas, its acts, everything about everything you love about movies can be found here, yeah. with the exception of maybe like if you really love special effects. But even even then, you know what? Acting can be a special effect. Editing is a special. Everything everything in a film is a special effect because it is all put together. It's all cobbled together from at the very least the mind of someone brilliant like Asghar Fahadi. So yes, this movie did deserve oh, yeah. best foreign language film undoubtedly. And if they were to redo the Oscars, this would be nominated for best best picture as well. And it would absolutely have made uh, given given the artist a run for its money that year. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna throw that up there. Um, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for writing in. Shahir Dowd, if we are so lucky, will be joining us next week for our next installment of For Your Reconsideration, when we will discuss the film and the script to the 1976 Best Picture nominee, Network, by Sidney Lumet. I am really looking forward to that one. And, uh... Here's hoping we can do it. Mm-hmm. Buddy, we're we're waiting for you, and we can't wait to have you on the show. If you have liked what you heard, you can drop us a line at oscarwatchpodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Send us your questions. We love answering them. And be sure to find us on social media at oscarwatchpod, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And, yeah, if, you're, if you find us on iTunes, leave a review. We love it. Please. We love getting the feedback it helps people find the show really well matt where can folks find you online uh at instagram that's that's where i I do my things uh at uh, movie underscore matinee with two t's mostly just uh movie reviews um sometimes some movie news um just life in general but but mostly Mm -hmm. reviews try to do a review a day of some just anything really whatever i'm watching um just sort of get it out there and Get people seeing some stuff. Yeah. There's so much stuff out there, there folks. <coughs> and a lot of it's good. Yeah. If you know where to look, and you can follow this man on Instagram, he'll tell you what the good stuff is. I will. Well, I'll tell you what the good stuff is. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He'll tell you. He'll tell you all right. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, this is Oscar Watch. I'm Steve. I'm Matt. And until next time, we will see you on the right side. Cause the world gets in your way What's the point in all this screaming? You're not listening